Hey everyone, welcome to Unrefined Women. I am your co-host Agnes. And I'm the other co-host Margaret. This podcast is an ongoing dialogue between two sisters on the topics of spirituality, religious trauma, mental health, family dynamics, and feminism. We're very grateful you could join us today. All right, so it's 2023 and we're back. Finally. We have have not like sat down and recorded a podcast episode together since I think November. So before we jump into our topic of deconstructing romantic comedies, I wanted to ask how your holiday season was. My holiday seasons were really good. They were very relaxing. I feel like the last like couple holidays that we had, I ended up traveling and doing a lot. So for this holiday season, I didn't really do anything. I just kind of stayed at home and relaxed and spent time with family. Um, and then I had my birthday on the 27th. I turned 21. So um, since then, I'll just like been hanging out with friends more, like going out and trying different drinks yeah that's kind of it (laughs) so since i'm a bartender i have to ask what's like your drink do you have a drink yet like a go-to yeah i love moscow mules they're like one of my favorites because our cousin jessica used to make them for me all the time just homemade and she would always make fun of me because i'm kind of like a wine person i love wine and she's like wine hangovers hangovers are the worst they and then are. I started to kind of feel them and I was like I agree with you so we started drinking Moscow mules and they don't really give you that like nasty like heavy hangover you don't really feel it the next day um so I do really like them and they're really yummy yeah vodka is kind of a safe one to go with you know clear mm-hmm. alcohols like that yeah, so, I like a good Moscow mule, but more like in the summertime, I feel like. I mean, ginger is one of those things where I really have to be in a specific mood for it. It's not an every, mm. it's not like an, it's not a common occurrence for me to be like, mm, I want a Moscow mule. But when I do want one, it's it's very good and I enjoy it. Yeah, interesting. Well, what about you, Margaret? What did you do for the holidays? Oh, uh, see, Thanksgiving, we stayed here in Dallas. We did like a Friendsgiving with some friends here and for Christmas we actually went up to Lexington Kentucky to visit Casey's family so we were gone for about a week and we got to drive from Dallas so I got to see some new parts of the country which was exciting got to go through Arkansas Tennessee anything else and then Kentucky I think that's it Um, but all all states I've never been through before. I mean, of course, I've been to Kentucky to see Casey's family, but, you know, just never driven there. So that was exciting. Got to go through Nashville. And we happened to be traveling during the big kind of winter storm that moved through the country, like that week of Christmas. So we got to experience snow, a lot of ice. Um, so, yeah, we had a white Christmas up in Kentucky. That was lovely. Um, we were back here by New Year's and then just kind of back to the back to the grind. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds fun. I was so jealous of you guys to like travel and like go do all of that for the holidays. I love doing that. It's so much fun. Yeah. So we had a good time. Yeah. And we saw each other recently. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm not not going to bring it up. Um, That's true. What was this? That was last weekend. So last weekend, it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was like what the. F- 14th through the 16th of January I flew to Texas and we had like a little couple days where we did some marketing for our podcast and hung out and went out to bars and got yummy food it was super fun thanks for having us by the way 
Of course. Yeah, we got to do the whole Texas barbecue, except you're vegan, so you had to just <laughs> sit there and watch us eat barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then we got to do... Guys, we spent like a whole day doing a photo shoot for the podcast. So we've got mm. so much social media content coming out here in the next few months. So it was like a work trip at the same time. Yeah. 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 It was a lot of fun. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. So we'll probably have to do it again. <laughs> Margaret's like, months. no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm like, we're like, yeah. But I'm also like, oh, I don't like Sorry. doing it. <laughs> I know. Traveling is stressful. Like, especially I've been in positions where I've hosted people like at my home and it's kind of stressful like you have to have like a couple months to like take a step back and like miss each other <laughs> so I definitely understand I'll I'll leave you alone for now <laughs> well it's just, it's it's just more about the whole like I don't know like having to plan out photo mm. shoots and and shooting content and everything it's a lot of work it's a lot of preparation yeah. the day of it's exhausting so yeah, I'm definitely, definitely I'm definitely not one of those people that's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be on camera all day. Yay. I'm excited for this. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be on camera all day. It's going to suck, but yeah. we got to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, let's jump into our conversation today talking about romantic comedies. And this is kind of just a total random just for funsies episode where we're going to talk about some of the romantic comedies that we love and we love to hate, all of those things. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about some of the, I guess, cultural red flags with these movies, things that from a feminist perspective are kind of toxic, kind of questionable. Um, and I do have to give a quick shout out to our friend. Y'all know her. Y'all love her. Lucy Boyland from the <laughs> You're So Introverted podcast. I totally borrowed this idea from her because she just recently did an episode kind of bashing the notebook. <laughs> and I just thought it was so entertaining. I totally like got sucked into that episode. Um, and so she talked about kind of watching, I think rewatching the notebook, uh, the Nicholas Sparks movie and just some of her thoughts from it. And it was, I actually like really enjoyed it. And I was like, I kind of want to do something similar, not the notebook. So, cause she already did that. So guys go over to Lucy Boylan's podcast. You're so introverted. Listen to her episode about the notebook if, if it is interesting to you to listen to people's kind of critiques of you know movies especially from like a cultural standpoint and a feminist standpoint so yeah so movies Agnes do you want to start with a movie which one do you want to talk about first okay so I picked three movies and I have a hard time finding red flags with them because I love them so much which is so bad because I was like I was doing like a grand old search like all the rom-com movies and just going through it and finding like the ones that I really like there were a bunch of others that I really like but I haven't seen them in a while yeah um but one movie that I really want to talk about is Mamma Mia that's my favorite oh. movie ever really okay I saw Mamma Mia once when it came out and I think I was in high school and I have never seen it since I do not remember <gasps> anything oh, about the movie really? <laughs> really oh my god it's so good it, okay. I can't oh my god there's no red flags though that's the problem <laughs> okay we will find red flags okay so can you okay, like okay, okay. can you give me like a brief <clears throat> brief synopsis of what the movie is about yes okay 
So, well, I don't even remember everybody's names, but anyways, it takes place on an island in Greece and it's about the mother and her daughter and the mother, when she was in her early twenties, she traveled around Europe and she slept with a bunch of guys and she ended up getting pregnant and settled down on this little island in Greece. And so she gives birth to her daughter. Her daughter grows up and her daughter is 20 and her daughter is getting married and and it has Mer- so Meryl Streep is the mother and then Amanda Seyfried is the daughter and the daughter she's getting married and she's like going through all of these like she's just thinking about her life and she she finds her mom's diary where her mom talks about the three different men that she had slept with this summer that she got pregnant because oh. she doesn't know her father juicy so she sends an invite to all three of her potential fathers to come to the island for her wedding (laughs) (laughs) and so all three of these and so she invites all of them basically saying that they are or they're her father and they come to the island and not only is it like this whole thing for her to like reconnect with these men not knowing which ones are her father um and then the connection between the mother and her previous lovers and they're all there at the same time and then it's like the weekend of the wedding and then they have the wedding and it's a musical and the music's amazing and that's because it's yeah, Abba. That's yes, Abba. Story. <laughs> yeah. Does she find out who her real dad is? Um, I don't think so. I think that was kind of the whole point. Um, so the basically she meets all of the dads or potential dads, and she basically falls in love with all like the daughter falls in love with all of them and just sees all of them as like her father. Um, however, in the end of the movie, the mom ends up um recommitting herself to one of her previous lovers and so that's kind of like her father or they like I guess people think that it's like her father or they like that's their conspiracy but the whole point of the story is like they're not she never really knows I I, there's a second one I don't think she ever does does find out but I, I think that's really cool that she just like pretty much continues her life knowing that she has or seeing that she has three fathers who are like amazing people in her life yeah I mean in a way it sounds like kind of kind of cool because it does it does sort of have that mm, like sex positive kind of attitude like where you have mm-hmm. one of the lead characters right that like you know kind of lived this full and vibrant life where she was able to kind of travel and have different lovers and you know um and then it sounds like at the end that Amanda Seyfried, her character almost has like these three adopted dads, you know? So it's kind of like breaking Mm -hmm. out of the binary, which I think is cool. Um, Mm -hmm. I think something that I find just problematic with so many romantic comedies, this is just me being such a skeptic when it comes to weddings is how (laughs) much we like hold up like the the, like weddings and the whole wedding industrial complex right and how like weddings are such a like especially for for women like we don't really talk about or it's not like a thing for a wedding to be like this huge turning point in a man's life but we really make it where a wedding is a huge turning point in a woman's life like that is a huge Mm. like like a turning you know I keep saying the same thing but like that's a big pivotal moment so I feel like that's just something that I see across the board with romantic comedies is this obsession with weddings and how women are obsessed with weddings but for men it's like not a big deal yeah well 
now we have tea about the movie that let you bring that up <laughs> because in the whole movie the the whole point was like cuz she was 20 when she got married and so everyone is like kind of harping on her like you're so young and like you don't know like you just wait till you find out what it's like to be a wife and have to take care of a man but on the other hand and they had a very loving and and cute a cute relationship but the guy when it was interactions with like him and his friends, it was like, congratulations. And like you scored. So it's such a different dynamic and or between the two parties. And then once the wedding actually happens, they spend all of this time and invest all of this money in creating this huge, huge elaborate wedding. And you have the dress and all these people are coming into the Island and the entire Island is basically decked out. And at the end, which spoiler to anyone who hasn't seen it, when they're at the, uh, when they're ready to say their vows, the girl ends up, ends up not saying the vows and they don't get married because like at the altar, Oh my God. because she, it realizes that she loves him, but she just kind of like loses this sense of like importance to be married and like how there's so much, um, emphasis or pressure on getting married in order to like, um, validate your love to like the public. And so they end up leaving the wedding and then go on their honeymoon as like still just dating. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. Mama Mia is sounding pretty woke for its time then. <laughs> so we're just going to leave it at that. If, uh, any, yeah. if there's any listeners out there that have thoughts on Mama Mia that are problematic, that we overlooked, shoot us Please a DM. share. Yeah, yeah, shoot us a DM on Instagram. I'm curious Here now. for all the tea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Um, I will go with the next one. Let's just take turns here. Yeah. Since yeah. we're on this topic of wedding. You know what? Actually, like two out of the three movies I picked are kind of centered around weddings see look at this is what i was like fuck weddings man everything's about weddings (laughs) okay so 27 dresses have you seen that movie i have not maybe i have oh this movie i fucking love 27 dresses and i hate that i love it so the lead (laughs) character is katherine heigl She's just like one of those people that's like in all the rom-coms. Katherine Heigl and then the other kind of main character, he's like my crush. And I'm not like a person that really has crushes on celebrities. I really don't care. But guys, I have a big crush on James Marston. He has a really sexy jawline. Anyways, um, so they're the two like lead characters in the movie. And because I'm lazy, I just Googled like the synopsis so I could just read it instead of having to come up with it on my own words. So here is a summary of 27 Dresses. <sighs> um, Bridesmaid Jane always puts the needs of others before her own, making her the go-to gal whenever someone needs help with wedding plans. So when Jane's younger sister Tess snags the man that Jane secretly loves, Jane finds herself questioning her role as a wedding junkie for the first time in her life. Meanwhile, a handsome reporter sees Jane's unusual story as his ticket off the bridal beat. I feel like that didn't really give a lot away, so... Catherine Heigl's character, Jane, she's basically like this woman that has been in 27 different weddings. Like she's always the bridesmaid. So she ends up being that friend that's that's like a bridesmaid in her friend's weddings, but also she's like the wedding planner. And it's like 
it's just like her hobby, her obsessive hobby. Meanwhile, she works full time as a secretary at like a company and she has this huge crush on her boss. And she's basically like made herself like fit into the secretarial role that she's obviously way overqualified for because she's got a crush on her boss. So she's just kind of like put herself in this in this box and sort of made herself small because of her obsession with this like totally mediocre white man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you know, she's been in all these weddings and she's always dreaming about one day when she gets to finally be a bride in her own wedding. Like she gets to be the star of the wedding. And in the midst of all this, of all of her obsessive wedding planning and being in weddings, she meets James Marsden, my huge crush. And he is this reporter that gets kind of stuck writing all of the wedding columns for the newspaper. And he hates it because he hates love and he hates weddings. And he's basically me in a male form, but he's a douchebag. So anyway, but they make him the star of the movie or like the whatever, the the dude that wins the girl in the end. So um, basically they end up working together where he hates weddings, but he has to kind of follow her around and report on what she's doing um, and kind of just totally cuts her down for what she loves. Even though I think that her being obsessed with weddings is ridiculous. I don't agree with the fact that James Marsden's character basically follows her around and just makes her feel like total shit for loving weddings and loving love and all that stuff. Um, so they kind of hate each other for the whole movie. And then, um, James Marston is like the ultimate asshole. I mean, he kind of gets like manipulated into it by his boss, but he basically has to write a whole story talking about her and kind of painting her in this very negative light as this crazy lady that's been in all these weddings. So he writes this whole story, kind of ruins her reputation. She's like mortified. Um, also side story, her sister Tess comes to town, falls in love with the boss that she's obsessed with. So creates all this drama between her and her sister. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we got that whole thing going on. So you got Jane, who's just like brokenhearted because her sister stole the man of her dreams. And then the guy she really hates just completely destroyed her in the newspaper and made her look terrible. Um, she like completely loses her shit and like breaks up her sister and her boss realizes that her boss is a douchebag and decides not to be with him and then goes out and decides to fall in love with James Marston who apologizes for painting her in a negative light and they end up getting married. So I just <laughs> I lots just, of thoughts. I know. So again, I have to confess this is a movie that I've seen dozens of times I love it's like that movie that I'll just put on in the background and it's just comforting to me because I've seen it so many times Mm -hmm. so but here are the things that I kind of bullet pointed for this wet for this movie um let's see my first bullet bullet point says always the mediocre white man I swear like in so many of these rom-coms you just have these like really not great white men that are just held up as like the romantic prince right And they always get the girl at the end and they totally don't deserve it. So, yeah, the movie is full of mediocre white men who are just really not that great and just don't deserve to be the prince of the movie. Um, Also, as I was saying before, this obsession with the wedding industrial complex. Um, Again, like weddings being such a pivotal point in women's lives, but not really a big thing for men's lives. And um, let's see. 
The other thing that I kind of find problematic with this movie, and it's I'm going to have a similar theme in the next movie I talk about, but I don't like how in 27 Dresses we take two sisters or two women characters and kind of pit them against each other. Kind of the whole central focus of this relationship between Jane and her sister Tess was there was a man in the middle of them, and both of them are like obsessed with this man. And it becomes like a point of friction between them and drives a wedge between them as sisters. And I think that's just Mm -hmm. such a problem that you have women characters in movies and the focus of their relationship is always on another man. As if there's not other stories to tell about the relationship between women and between sisters. So I find that problematic. I also find, like you were saying, the mediocre white men thing (laughs) I agree (laughs) but also just the whole concept of men bullying or picking on women and have it at the very end when they apologize it all just comes down to um men or men pick on you when they have crushes on you or whatever that saying is or or he's only mean to you because he likes you why are we showing this in movies it's so toxic (laughs) right why yeah why are we doing that why are the assholes like why are we painting asshole men or ass okay sorry wrong words why are we painting douchey behavior as romantic Mm -hmm. i hate that i really hate that exactly i have one other (sighs) thing that i kind of want to preface before we kind of jump into the other movies um have you heard of the bechtel test Hey everyone, we hope you're enjoying this week's episode. We'd like to take a quick moment to pause and tell you about our Patreon. Unrefined Women offers a pay-what-you-can model in which each tier has access to the same content and community. This follows our values that each person is worthy and deserving of connection, regardless of financial circumstances. And some of the benefits to joining our Patreon include access to our virtual monthly Sunday brunch, online private community where we share Q&As, memes, behind-the-scenes content, and general conversation. Additionally, we post a bonus episode each month. You can access our Patreon by downloading the Patreon app or going to patreon.com on your browser and looking up Unrefined Women. As always, we are so grateful for your support. Running a podcast requires a lot of time and financial commitment on our part. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. And now back to the episode. Mm-mm. What is okay. that? I learned about it in one of my classes. So the Bechtel test, it, it's, it was named for this cartoonist named Allison Bechtel. And it's basically like a way of assessing a movie's treatment of its female characters. So a movie, when movies are made, they can either pass or fail the Bechtel test. So what the Bechtel test does is um, to pass the Bechtel test, a movie wa- must have at least two women in it who, and then the two women have to talk to each other and they have to talk about something other than a man. So a pop, and then I guess a, a popular variant of this test um, additionally requires that both women have names. Cause sometimes you'll have female characters in the movie that don't even have names or any important role. So yeah, you have to have two women in the movie. Those two women have to talk to each other and the conversation has to involve something other than talking about a man. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of movies out there that fail that test, where all of the female, wow. where all of the females' character development is all centered on a man and his role. So, something to kind of keep in mind. You can actually Google the the Bechtel test, and they have like a list of like 
all the movies out there and you can see if the movie that you watch passes or fails it. Shockingly, 27 Dresses actually passes the Bechtel test because there is a few conversations between Jane and her sister Tess where they're not talking about a man. So the movie passes. But I feel like it barely (laughs) passes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even know about that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Look it up. Super interesting. Yeah. So anyway, did you have any final thoughts on 27 Dresses? I know you haven't seen it, but just from hearing you talk about it. Well, I'm just going to have to watch it because I'm interested. I can't believe I haven't seen it. I'm kind of bad with rom-coms. It's older now. Like, I think it came out in 2005, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So. I was four years old in 2005. That's why you haven't heard of it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's your next movie? So. I actually changed one of my movies. So I was going to talk about Clueless and I love Clueless. However, I haven't seen it in a really long time, so I don't have enough to uh, to say about it. But the movie that I want to talk about to feed off of this whole wedding concept (laughs) is Bride Wars. Yes. Oh my God. I almost picked that movie. I almost picked that movie. It is so good. So I didn't do any research on it. So I'm going to read the synopsis I found online. Since the time they were little girls, best friends Liv, Kate Hudson, and Emma, Anne Hathaway, have been planning every aspect of their future weddings, including choosing the same destination, New York's famed Plaza Hotel. But when a clerical error causes a clash in the wedding dates, Liv and Kate discover their inner demons with their lifelong friendship as a possible casualty. So... We have two best friends that have been best friends their whole lives, planning their weddings. They both get engaged. I I don't know if it's the same day or just the same week or whatever. Very, very close together. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go to the Plaza Hotel and they book their weddings. And I can't remember if they specifically booked it for this. I think it was a a month out or they were, they were separated somehow. And as they're planning their wedding, they find out that their wedding was scheduled for the same day at the same time at the same place. (laughs) (laughs) And so they have to have two separate weddings without each other in it. And then they get jealous and it ends up being this whole thing (laughs) where they just try to sabotage each other's weddings I don't know. It's so good. If you've seen it, you get it. (laughs) Yeah. So what are your thoughts on it? What do you think are the initial problematic aspects of the movie? The problematic aspects are, first of all, the uh, obsession with weddings. (laughs) 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 And the second is this whole idea of two women pitting against each other for something as dumb as a man. Yeah. Okay, that was actually really mean to say. Just for something as dumb as mediocre white men behavior. <laughs> Is that a nicer <laughs> way to say it? <laughs> I guess so. I know. I mean, yeah. I think I think it is important yeah, yeah, to yeah. say behavior and not demonize yes. the person. So yes, absolutely. Um, I remember. There's another element of this movie that I vaguely remember, and it's been a few years since I've seen it, but kind of like 27 Mm -hmm. Dresses, I've seen it many, many times. Yeah. Um, I remember with Kate Hudson's care, with Kate, yeah, Kate Hudson's character, I remember she has this huge obsession with like losing weight before her wedding. And like she gets like a wedding dress, like 
in a smaller size and she's trying to like fit into it. And I feel like that was such a common thing in movies from like the earlier 2000s or like 2010s where there was kind of a lot of body shaming. And if you didn't kind of fit this very thin um, shape, then there was something wrong with your body and your body had to be changed. And so I do Mm -hmm. remember that being kind of like a big focus of Kate Hudson's character, her like trying to lose weight to fit into this tiny wedding dress. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up because, and I totally forgot about that as well, but um, it's like the whole point of, of them incorporating that concept into the film was to kind of pick on women who do that Mm -hmm. however like especially us as women and growing up in such you know in this entire type of environment you do see that this is like a real issue that even if you put it in a situation like that in a movie for people to laugh at or say oh that's so dumb it literally happens all the time and it's a very very harmful um ideology to put into a movie because people could look at that and and see someone doing that and think oh my god now I have to do that even though people are laughing at it like it's it's it kind of plays it like the guilt and the shame that women have to go through especially like something as public as a wedding if you choose to have like a wedding like that where you have all of your family watching you it basically like makes it, it can cause people to feel insecure about their own weddings yeah, and I think it just continues to reinforce the negative belief that um, when you're going to get married or you have some big event coming up that you have to try to alter your appearance to fit the event mm-hmm. versus like why can our life not just, you know, why can't we just show up as our full selves, you know, Absolutely. in different situations? We shouldn't have to alter ourselves to fit into a situation. Like that's problematic. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also feel like, too, with this movie, you know, I I remember the term bridezilla, I think, came up in that movie. And I feel like I really hate that term bridezilla because I feel like that's a term that's given to women who feel a lot of emotions and are very passionate about something. Now, do I do do I agree with the whole like feeling passionate about your wedding? Not really. I don't relate to that. But it is problematic that we have this negative word that we assign to women specifically who get very invested and very passionate about something. So mm-hmm. like brides, you know, we will have, you know, again, seems like they paint women as the ones that get really into the weddings and not the men. But if a man is very, very passionate about something, like we don't really have negative words for him. That's considered like good. That's considered good and masculine. Um, but when mm-hmm. a woman it's, you know, and even you can think about like in the workplace when a woman works a lot or is a, a woman is really invested in what she does. Um, we use words like workaholic, um, you know, not being mother achiever, overachiever, not being motherly. You know, wh- why is this woman working so hard outside the home? What about her family? You know, but we don't mm-hmm. say those things about men. So just I really don't mm-hmm. like that term bridezilla. And that was used a lot in the movie and kind of painted both women in this negative way because they were so you know, they were really passionate about what they were going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really well said. All right. Anything else about <laughs> bread wars? Um, I think that's it. I think that's kind of that we really had some good topics with that movie. What's your next movie market? I'm really curious to hear it. Oh, this next one is so cringe. So the movie is called something borrowed. Have you seen it? 
I don't think so. This is like a really uncomfortable movie for me to watch, but I've watched it maybe four or five times. So the main characters are Kate Hudson again. <gasps> I've seen this movie. Je- Jen- <laughs> Jennifer Goodwin. <laughs> this movie was horrifying. <laughs> so fucked up. Like, I remember the first time I watched this movie, I like, like the movie ended and I was like, what the hell? Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. Let me read the synopsis of okay. something borrowed. <laughs> okay. Though Rachel, who's played by Jennifer Goodwin, is a successful attorney and a loyal, generous friend, she is still single. After one drink too many at her 30th birthday celebration, Rachel unexpectedly falls into bed with her longtime crush, Dex, who happens to be engaged to her best friend, Darcy, played by Kate (laughs) Hudson. (laughs) Ramifications of the liaison threaten to destroy the women's lifelong friendship, while Ethan, who's played from John Krasinski, Rachel's confidant, harbors a potentially explosive secret of his own. Oh, this movie. Like, how many times have you seen it? (sighs) Once. I watched it last year when it was on Netflix. And I just thought it was this little harmless (laughs) rom-com. Nope. (laughs) Guys, this movie is like, there's so many aspects to it that were so trippy. And one of the the big things is like the morality of cheating. Because you have the main character who sleeps with her best friend's or her and her best friend's fiance sleep together. And then moving forward throughout the movie, they're planning their wedding. And I don't, don't they go to like the Hamptons or whatever they go and do something. And she has to follow along with this and still uphold the relationship with her best friend. And then also like the tension between the fiance and her. But I, I, I can't remember exactly if this was a, a situation that happened in the movie, but I, I'm pretty sure the main character wanted the guy to, t- to like break it off. Right. Or like tell, yeah. Cause she felt so guilty about it. And she was like, I can't let my best friend marry someone that cheated on her, even if it was with me. And he was just like, no, that's fine. And, and acted like there was nothing wrong. Yeah, I mean, all the characters are riding this total emotional roller coaster throughout the whole movie. And yeah. it, I mean, it's just so screwed up on so many levels. Um, and that's why it's so uncomfortable to watch, like you said, because it, the whole thing centers on cheating. And, you know, when you watch a movie, generally, like the way movies are produced, you kind of, um, you're walking through the movie from the perspective of the main character or main characters. And so because of how movies are shot, we tend to relate with those characters the most and we kind of root for them. But in this situation, there's not really any good characters in the show. Like they're, they all have very problematic Mm -hmm. behaviors. And so it's very, very uncomfortable to be in that situation where you're walking through this story from the perspective of someone Mm -hmm. who's cheating with her best friend's fiance. I mean, huge moral dilemma. And that's why I feel like it's so uncomfortable to watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on top of it, there is the issues between the main character and her best friend, because the best friend is like, 
she she's just like picks on her and <laughs> makes yeah. her uncomfortable and she's like the hot sexy fun blonde best friend that you know has always like gotten more in life or or she the other girl has always like felt jealous of her or there's there's this like dynamic between them or this unequal dynamic mm-hmm. um and so for the main character to like have to I don't want to say like experience like it was like neglect basically she was experiencing neglect from her best friend um but also like still loving her enough to like not want her to marry this guy and knowing that he had cheated on her I don't know it was just very like all around every character is just kind of doing some shady ass shit (laughs) Yeah. So some of the problematic aspects of this movie, it does, it paints a terrible picture of what a female best friendship looks like. Cause as oh, you, yeah. as you just said, it's, it's such a toxic friendship. You have Kate Hudson's character who is always kind of overshadowed um, Jennifer Goodwin's character mm-hmm. and Jennifer Goodwin has never really felt like she can be honest in this relationship. Um, she's always being steamrolled by Kate Hudson. She's always being taken advantage of, but she kind of sucks it up because she's like oh it's my best friend and so she kind of always puts her needs aside to match her best friend's needs so it's just a terrible picture um i I think just points women a a female relationship in a really bad light um i one thing that i think is kind of educational with the movie is it definitely shows what happens when you kind of put your needs on hold or you kind of shove your needs down and you put the needs of other people ahead of you because the movie is sort of like it, it's kind of showing the blow up of what happens after years and years and years of this toxic friendship where Jennifer Goodwin's character is just like suppressing her emotions. You know, um, she's had this, we find out in the movie that she's had a crush on Dex since like college. She's actually the mm-hmm. one that introduced Dex and her best friend. And she had a crush on them this whole time. And her best friend basically swooped in and like took, took the guy um, that she never really had because she's kind of like this, this, sort of shy quiet character so you you really see the disaster that happens when you don't speak up for yourself and you put everyone else's needs above your own so i think that was kind of like an educational aspect of the show um and also too mediocre white men i mean dex is just like not a great person i mean again like he just uh, totally let a great girl go ends up with Kate Hudson's character, you know, and he's like cheating on her with the other girl. And it's just, he's just such a sleaze bag. Um, you know, he just, it, it poor decision-making by him through the entire movie. <laughs> Yet he's the guy that, you know, is just like the hot dude in the movie that ends up with the girl in the end. Uh, spoiler alert. He ends up with Jennifer Goodwin. So obviously Jennifer Goodwin and Kate Hudson's friendship blows up just, the whole thing goes to hell and at the end they are no longer friends and Jennifer Goodwin is now with her best friend's fiance. So it's just, Oh, so cringe. <laughs> the, I feel like the ending, the fact that they put them together at the end just kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable. I just really so felt like this, like, yeah, I'm not going to say that he doesn't care about the main character, but he has like these unhealthy toxic tendencies that we've seen this entire film. And at the end they're like, Oh, and then they're together and happily ever after. I kind of wish she was either single or she just ended up with someone else. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
that's I thought that something like that was going to happen. Like, you know, I feel like in the end, again, because the movie kind of starts off with this relationship between the two girls, you would think in the end that they would have kicked Dax to the curb and they would have. Yeah. Like they should have kicked yeah. him to the curb and like really worked out their friendship. And like, I yeah. feel like that would have been like kind of that. I, th- I felt like that would have been the predictable ending. I think that's part of what was yeah. cringy about it was the ending was so unpredictable and so outside the scope of what normally happens. So, yeah. Yeah. It was an uncomfy movie. Yeah. It was kind of sure. weird now that I'm thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's your, th- your third movie? Third? What's your th- this what's is my your, third movie. What's your third movie? And this is actually our third Kate Hudson movie that we're talking oh my God, about. Man, She's just the queen of rom-coms. Um, the third movie that I'm going to talk about is 10. Oh, wait, not 10 things I ha- Hold on. We need to pause. I got the wrong movie synopsis. Uh-oh. It does have the number 10 in it, though. I know which one you're talking about. Anybody guess? What movie, what rom-com movie has the number 10 in the title? I found it. Oh, and I had to get the summary. <laughs> okay. Okay. I found it. <laughs> How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I love this movie so much. Okay. An advice columnist, Andy Anderson, Kate Hudson, tries pushing the boundaries of what she can write about in her new piece about how to get a man to leave you in 10 days. Her editor loves it, and Andy goes off to find a man she can use for the experiment. Enter executive Ben Barry, Matthew McConaughey, who is so confident in his romantic powers that he thinks he can make any woman fall in love with him in 10 days. When Andy and Ben meet, their plans backfire. So we have a girl who's doing an experiment for her work to try to get a guy. So first of all, Andy's just very attractive. She's a dream girl. She's cool. She's successful. And she tries to get a guy and does everything wrong to try to make him break up with her for shits and giggles. On the other hand, we have Ben, who thinks that he is so romantic that he can date a woman who's this is breaking records for longer than 10 days. <laughs> so when they meet, Andy basically does all of the wrong things. She, um, my favorite part is the basketball game where they're at the basketball game. <laughs> and <laughs> She goes, Ben, I'm I'm so thirsty. I, I really want to drink. And he's like really excited about the game. It's like the fourth <laughs> quarter. Everyone's excited. And he's like, oh, okay, what can I get you really quick? And she goes, a Diet Coke or a Coke. And so he goes back there. He's hurrying. He gets the Coke. He brings it back and, you know, just basically shoves it to her. And he's watching the game. And she takes a sip and she goes, thank you. This is a diet. <laughs> then he has to take the drink and go back and get a diet coke and then by the time he gets back the game's already done and he missed it (laughs) but he can't break up with her for it or leave her because he has to prove to his colleagues that he can date it or he can keep a woman for longer than 10 days and then there's a bunch of other shit that happens she um uses like the simulator to take both of their faces and combine them together to see what their future children look like. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. <laughs> I love the scene. I love the scene in the movie where the guys come over. It's like guys night and she shows up. 
Yeah, God, oh that's f- and she started. She has like the plants, the plants and the pictures all decorated in his apartment. <laughs> the bathroom, there's like the pink decorations all over the bathroom. Oh like, yeah, she really. It was hilarious. So uh, I don't know. Again, like as as we're laughing about this movie, I feel bad about laughing about it because again, I feel like I don't know. It's. And it's hard. Okay, it's hard to put into words what I feel about it because yeah. it is it is uncomfortable because it's taking those stereotypical things that that are considered crazy about women, right? Like if mm-hmm. you, um, like if you're excited about whatever future children, that that's considered crazy, you know, or I don't yeah, know, like or having needs, like yeah. having like I mean, obviously everything's dramatized because they're both kind of like. Both characters are putting on a whole other character to fuck with the other character. So I mm-hmm. get that it's like dramatized, but it just, it does, for me, I feel like with the, with the Coke and the Diet Coke, it almost like demonizes the parts of us where we have needs, right? And like we have needs and, and communicating those needs to our partner. So it just like mm-hmm. is a terrible example of that. Yeah. And I think also just like showing this whole concept of being like a cool girl and like you have to be basically like a woman who lives for a man sort of concept of like everything that a woman does is to make a to make their partner feel comfortable and to you know so that their friends like them and they're they're fun to hang out with and they're sexy and they're smart and they're successful and independent and it's like you have which obviously like are, those are those are great qualities for anybody, but it kind of paints this picture that you have to check all these boxes in order for you to like be worthy of love, and it's recreating this 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 uh, that that ideology throughout the entire movie. And another aspect of the movie that I kind of found found a little offensive <laughs> was that the whole concept of the main character doing this 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 column was because one of her best friends had a really hard time going through breakups. And in the beginning of the movie, her coworker, who's her best friend, like she can't get out of bed to go to work because this guy that she was barely seeing ended up breaking it off. But she was like, Oh my God, I was in love with him. And that kind of sparked the idea of, um, her wanting to kind of use her friend's situation almost to like make fun of her and just to like, be like you're use her, the, her her friend's mistakes quote, quote unquote mistakes in relationships to like show how not to like how to be a cool girl and like I don't know I just think it was kind of mean oh, to the friend I didn't even think yeah. about that that's right because that was the whole yeah. thing it was the whole thing of like well if you want to keep a guy then don't be yourself right and yeah. so and so yeah Kate Hudson's character was taking the things that her best friend would do in relationships and like using those things to lose a guy so it's it is it's such a like painting this picture of like how you're supposed to act and who you're supposed to be if you want to get the attraction of the opposite sex and you want to maintain that relationship and I also feel like from Matthew McConaughey Matthew McConaughey's character right so he's like oh I am gonna make a woman fall in love with me in 10 days so oh you know I have to like be emotionally there for her and I have to listen to her and it's such a like drag that oh my god I have yeah. to be like a human being and be there for another human being's emotions oh my god poor me like again, it's like he's complaining the entire movie for being an empathetic decent human being exactly yeah <laughs> 
And then again, that like paints a picture to the audience that like for men, it's okay to basically be a douchebag. And the only time that you really have to fake it is when you are trying to impress a girl to like sleep with her or, you know, get married. So you have that title. Right. And that it's not like normal for men to have emotions and be able to empathize with another human's emotions. Like they really, really make yeah. it, they make it seem like that's not normal for men and that men have to just sort of like fake it and like act that way if they want to keep a woman. Exactly. Mm, wow. Look at this movie. Oh, <laughs> I still love it though. I still, I know. I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to watch it though. Yeah. We're <laughs> like, we love these movies. Let's roast them. <laughs> it's the best way to do it. Yeah. All right. You ready for the last one? Yes. It's going to break your heart that I'm doing this movie. I love this movie. I know what you're going to do. Love actually. (laughs) I love it. I I do. I I have to say love actually is like one of my favorite movies. And that's why, and that's why I'm going to roast it. So, (laughs) (laughs) so love actually is a 2003 Christmas romantic comedy film written and directed by Richard Curtis. It features an assemble cast composed predominantly of British actors, many of whom had worked with Curtis in previous film and television products. So this is one of those movies where you have like 10 different storylines all happening in the movie. So it can be a little overwhelming to kind of watch it because you just have to track like Mm -hmm. 10 different storylines and some of the storylines are not related to each other at all other ones are are related like you'll have one character who's got like a whole storyline going on Mm -hmm. but then you're also like following that character's sister storyline so stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and again kind of like the other movies just well not something borrowed because that's cringy but like 27 dresses or like mama mia for you like just you know a movie i've seen so many times it's just very comforting for me but you know 2003 there's some elements of this movie that have not aged well let's talk about and i'm only going to talk about a few of the storylines because there's just too many and we could do a whole podcast episode just on this one movie but um Natalie. Do you know who Natalie is in the movie? She's the guy. Yep. She's she's the girl that ends up with the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Okay, so much body shaming going on in this movie. Yeah. Natalie is a beautiful beautiful girl and they fat shame her through this whole fucking movie. Yeah. So, so that I feel like is problematic just all of the the language being used about her in the movie. And again, like she's not like she's beautiful. Like I wouldn't even consider her overweight at all yeah so and I feel like the reason why they added that concept into the movie was to show like there were people in the prime minister's house that would make comments about her and then the prime minister who had a crush on her would be like oh I wouldn't really call her fat or I wouldn't really say that so I think like they're they tried to kind of make this this concept of like a guy that really likes you would defend your weight in front of other people. But I, but you're right. Like it didn't really, I, I, that's maybe that's something that they would do in 2003. Again, I was like two years old that year, Maybe, but I mean, it just didn't age well. I mean, okay, let's think about like common day work practice, like workplaces. If that was happening in a workplace now, like that shit would be nipped in the butt. Like that would be like a major HR. That would be like HR would be involved. It would be, you know, and you have this happening when in the prime minister of England, like the highest elected office in the country, you know, like the White House. Yeah. And it's like, this is the kind of language going on and the type of like harassment toward its employees. And it's just sort yeah. of like kind of brushed under the rug. 
Yeah. On top of that, still talking about Natalie, in the movie there's a scene where the President of the United States comes to visit and makes like a total inappropriate sexual pass at her. And and then, um, oh my gosh, who's the character that's the Prime Minister? Hugh something. What's his name? Hugh Grant. Yes, Hugh Grant. Um, He doesn't, like, he, he sees the sexual advance and... His response to it is to make like a political statement kind of against the president in a in like a press release. But then he has Natalie like re what do they call it? Re- or redistributed. Like they put her into like a different role. So it's like she's getting punished for her being the victim of an of an inappropriate sexual advance by the president of the United States. So she's kind of like mm-hmm. getting punished. And so it's like that whole thing of like victims of um, crimes being punished for something that was out of their control. It's like the whole thing where like, you know, if a woman gets raped and it's like, well, what was she doing? Like, what was she wearing? It's kind of, I don't know. It left a bad taste in my mouth. Like he should not have been angry at her for being the victim of that advance. Yeah. I agree. Um, Alan Rickman's character, such a dirt bag. Oh yeah. <laughs> such a dirt bag. He cheats on his wife. Who's, Emma Thompson, who's just lovely. I love Emma the Thompson. The most lovely character. The, her, I love her character. One of my favorites. Yeah. So she gets cheated on. And it, it seems like in the end, like we don't really know what happens in the end, but it seems like she maybe stayed with him or just like. Really? I thought that I the know. point of it was that they they were separating. Because at the end of the movie, it's like in the airport. Yeah. And then they like kiss each other's cheek and they seem like very passive yeah with each other i don't know I don't but know. i just i just feel like he kind of got off the hook with that like he's just a total dirtbag and kind of got off the hook there and yeah. um yeah and she again i feel like she was such a great character and she just kind of got steamrolled in the movie so yeah again why is it that the that the best women characters get steamrolled um yeah <laughs> And then let's see. So we've got two different Collins in this movie. Colin Firth. That's the one that falls in love with Euralia. So remember, okay. You remember Euralia? She's like from Portugal. She doesn't speak English. And so, okay. Mm -hmm. This storyline, like I know it's like considered the most romantic storyline or one of the most romantic storylines of the movie. But I mean, how creepy is it that you have this guy, Colin, that goes and like lives in this like house and then there's this woman from Portugal that gets hired to come clean the house for him and they can't even talk to each other and he falls in love with the woman who can't speak to him who cleans his house like you yeah like, <laughs> and then like proposes to her eventually later at the end of the movie and they have never actually like had a conversation ever in real life and yeah So I found, I was like totally doing research on this movie and there was this article that was written by this lady named Lindy West where she like basically just tears love actually to shreds. And she writes in her, writes in her, in her little article, Colin Firth falls in love with Euralia at first sight, establishing love actually's central moral lesson that the less a woman talks, the more lovable she is. No. (laughs) roasted yeah damn yeah but i started thinking about it and you start to realize the yeah a lot of the women in the movie don't get a lot of screen time to really talk yeah and they're like 
even Natalie, like she's very quiet, right? She's this very quiet, kind of cute girl. Mm -hmm. And yet like the prime minister's in love with her. So you have like, yeah, you have these women who, if they're caretakers and they're not talking, that is considered desirable. That's like the desirable trait. And those are the women that end up with the men in the end. Oh my God. Yeah. I never really thought about that. I always kind of found like the Colin and Euralia concept a little like weird I think like it's definitely cute and romantic like as you're watching it but the whole part like when he flies to the rest or he flies to Portugal and he goes to the restaurant and he learns how to propose I just felt like it was kind of cringy like there's something weird about it like he shows up at her work yeah and like basically proposes to her in front of everybody I would have been so embarrassed yeah <laughs> So, yeah, it's like in real life, like like all that shit would never happen in real life, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, The other Colin, such a, okay, the other Colin, you know who I'm talking Creepy. about? Yes, oh my God. Yeah. Okay, so he's so whiny in the movie because he's not able to get a woman, you know? Like, oh, you know, he's so oppressed because English women don't like him. And despite uh-huh. him, despite him, like, throwing sandwiches at women in the workplace, asking them if they want his lovely nuts. Like, he's just so, <laughs> like, such a, like, a child. Um, And so he ends up, he ends up going to America to find an American woman because American women will love him and his cute British accent. And so he goes to Wisconsin and it's like, it's kind of hilarious. Actually, I feel like this scene where he walks into like a tip, an average American bar and there's like all of these like hot, stereotypical hot women at the bar just crawling all over him. And I'm over here like a bartender, like, okay, none of that happens in real life. There's not like... You know, there's not groups of women just hanging out in bars, like waiting for a hot dude. Like groups of women that come to the bar are there for a girl's night and they don't give a fuck about. (laughs) Yeah. So they usually want to be left the hell alone by the men. So then Colin's character, you know, ends up going to America and just like winning over these women. um, One of whom he brings back to England in the end. Like there's some kind of like a prize. Um. (laughs) So we've got that that element of Colin. Uh, my last just couple thoughts on love, actually. Again, there's so much more. But can we just talk for a second about Kira Knightley's character and, like, how she's <laughs> flattered by what a creep her husband's best friend is? Yeah. <laughs> she gets married and then she, their husband's best friend is, like, all in her business. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's just like a super creepy um, storyline, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. And then last one. So Laura, she's the girl that has the big crush on Carl in the office. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's such a sad that's story. Sad. It's so sad because she's, yeah. got a, she's got a crush on her coworker. She finally ends up like having an opportunity to be with Carl. But um, her phone keeps ringing because it's her brother who's in a mental institution and we kind of find out for about her character that you know i think her parents had passed away or something right and she's like she's like responsible for taking care of her brother who's like you know in a mental institution and everything and because she's so busy trying to take care of her brother it kind of all falls apart with carl and i feel like that's so shitty like what like what respectable man is going to be like oh you're like this older sister that's taking care of your brother because your parents died Mm, i'm out like "Mm, yeah clearly clearly this isn't gonna work like what the hell is that so 
Yeah, that story always made me so sad. I've always felt really bad for her. I wish that they kind of switched that one up a little bit. Yeah. Had a happy ending for her. Yeah. So anyway, any thoughts that you have on Love Actually, our favorite movie? It's a movie that I watch every single year and I watch it on Christmas and well, last year, but yeah, I watched it recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, there's lots of articles out there. Like you can just Google love actually. And there's so many articles that come up about like so much tea. Yeah. Like ways the love actually has not aged well and you know, just stuff, you know, also really quick, you know, that Hugh Grant like hates that movie with a burning passion really yeah he hates it i think he particularly is very upset about the scene they put of him dancing like he's very embarrassed by that scene (laughs) that's my favorite part i know and it literally adds to like so much to his character i love it but yeah he does not like that scene in particular but yeah he hates the movie he really hates the movie so well he did get in it i liked his character All right, so that was our fun little thing with movies. Um, let's do a quick rating of these movies, and we're gonna say that five. We're gonna we're gonna do a rating between one and five. I'm gonna okay. say I'm gonna say that five is it's a great movie, no problems at all. Watch it with a clear conscience, all the way to one, which is this movie should be fucking canceled and never watched again. Um, so let's rate our movie. I mean, obviously those are extreme okay. spectrums, but let's give them a rating. So starting with okay. our first one, Mamma Mia. What do you think for Mamma Mia? Five Which stars. Are... Five stars. Okay. I'm skeptical, so I'm going to say four. I feel like I haven't watched okay. it in a long time, so I can't clearly give it a five, but I would say it, it gets a solid four. Okay. Next one, 27 Dresses. I will go first since it was my movie. Mm, 27 Dresses. I feel like... Mm, what would I give 27 dresses again both ends of the spectrum are kind of extreme uh I would say like a three probably like I would like watch it but you know understand there's some issues with it what about you I've never I've never seen that movie but from what I've heard I'll probably give it like a like a two to three stars okay Three, three stars probably okay all right uh next one what was our next one Oh, Bride Wars. Bride Wars. Yeah. Right. What do you think, Agnes? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Bride Wars a three star. It's a fun movie. Like it's definitely entertaining, but there's just a lot of aspects to it that I don't particularly like like. But it's a good movie. It's like a good like good movie to watch with your friends and stuff. Yeah. Uh yeah. I think three. I'm gonna go with a three as well. Okay. Okay. Something borrowed. Oh, I feel like a two. I'm going to agree with that one. It's not terrible. I do. If you have the opportunity to watch it, I would say watch it. It just didn't. I don't know. It's uncomfortable. But I do think I think if you can like like I was kind of saying, if you can watch it from this perspective of there's some interesting lessons to take away from the story, I would give it a two. Yes. Yes. So yeah, like maybe don't. Uh, maybe if you have a toxic friendship with your best friend and you all are just like one upping each other, or one's taking advantage of the other. Like, mm, this is here's a nice little picture of what could happen if you don't speak up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Or you've got a big crush on a man and you had a crush on him for ten years and now he's engaged mm-hmm. to your best friend. Like, mm, let's. Uh, yeah, I probably should do something about that before we get to this point. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So probably, a, yeah, a two. Uh, yeah. What's the next one? How to oh. Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yeah. What do you think? 
I'm going to give it a four star. I love it. I, I love it, but it's, I watched it too many times. I probably wouldn't watch it again for a while. Mm, I'm going to go with a three. It's definitely entertaining. I love watching it, but there's just so many problematic aspects. Like what we talked about <laughs> that are just like, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you're not aware of what you're watching and some of the toxic elements of it, <clears throat> it could be, it could give you some, uh, very untrue beliefs of how dating works. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And love actually our last one. I love this one so much. I know. But really it's got some bad bad things in it. I have to give I it know. I have to give it like a 2 to a 3. Like I'm kind of like a 2.5. <gasps> Like I love it. I get, okay, this ra- okay. I know, but this rating is not based on how much I love the movie or how much I enjoy True. it or the entertainment factor. This is like the problematic messages in the movie, and I think it's like oh, a t- okay, okay. I think it's like a two point five. I would have to agree with that. Two point five for two point five to three for problematic, but it's such a five star movie to me. Like, yeah. there's something so nostalgic about it. I just love it. Yes. Enjoyment factor, definitely a five. <laughs> yeah. All right. Gratitude prompt. We can't forget that. Yeah. I can't forget that. <laughs> Agnes, what are you grateful for today? Ooh, today I am grateful for um, the weather. It's been, the sun's been out today. It's kind of chilly, but it's nice to have the sun out. What about you, Margaret? I'm grateful that we're going to watch Avatar today. So I'm excited about Yay. that. Me, Casey, and Brayden are going to the theater. And we're going to be doing this whole thing. I've never done it before. But I guess you go to the theater and it's like a whole 4D experience where like you sit in your seat and your seat like moves with the movie. And there's supposed to be like vibrations and like fog and strobe lights and it's a whole immersive experience. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I'm hoping we don't get like sick, like motion sickness or anything (laughs) from sitting in that for three hours. But um, I mean, I guess you can always just get up and walk out if you're not feeling well. But I'm grateful for that, for family time and being able to do something fun together. Yeah, that'll be fun. Let me know how you like Avatar. I'm excited for you to see it. I will. I will. We believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things. Wherever you are, if you are able, close your eyes, take a deep breath in and out, and reflect on something that you are grateful for today. We are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today, and we hope you have a beautiful week. If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. 
To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwomen.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username unrefinedwoman, and on Instagram at unrefinedwomanpodcasts. Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our gratitude prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.